We would like to thank all our guests for their contributions to this episode. And now Alex and I thought it'd be good if we just had a look at what they said and see if there's any uh, similarities and uh, bring our episode to a conclusion of some description. Yeah, thank you, Martin. Yeah, like like I'd say thank you to all our guests for appearing on this episode. You know, we have made a real difference having this discussion. The first question we would like to discuss is, are people with autism and other learning disabilities more vulnerable or at risk of losing their jobs during this pandemic? So Martin, what did your guests, Addy and Dan, have to say about this first question? They were both unanimous in that uh, we are definitely more at risk than others. Dan mentioned about the costs for reasonable adjustments uh, that were being made for people with disabilities in the workplace. Um, he mentioned tablets and tools that they, they would use. And it's actually uh, a, something that we hadn't really thought about. So obviously your business would look at it and go, well, that's actually costing a bit and you know we could save money by taking that away but then you know we would have to lose this uh, employee as well and it's essentially um, a thing to try and save money which is absolutely fine for a business to survive in this pandemic but then you know if you're seen to be doing that it, it probably wouldn't reflect very good on your image if you mm -hmm. take my meaning uh, in the andy mentioned it had been a bit of a tough year for us um, but he also mentioned that we were having a hard time following uh, the rules as well as the rules are kind of ever changing nobody seems to really understand them and what can you do what can't you do i think we're all clear on the mask situation which we'll talk about in a minute or two but certainly the ever-changing rules it does seem to be a bit kind of well what can we do <laughs> yeah i think everyone would agree that new all people with autism asperger's and also all non-neurotypicals would agree with me as well yeah of course like everybody's like well what can you do in tier two like what could you do in tier three like you could do this in tier two so why can't you do this in tier three it's like it's confusing for everybody because like even the government aren't sure about like you know what you can and cannot do jennifer agreed that employers are using us as an excuse to get rid of us and make us redundant and um like dan she said that one of the reasons is it costs time, money and energy to invest in an employee because um, reasonable adjustments cost money and time and energy. And if um, employees are looking at their budgets and they're like, oh, this person with autism needs um, these specialized headphones or this equipment, like uh, Dan said, if they need the tablet to work from. So yeah, the employer like, all right, because of the budget, I can't, we can't afford this equipment. Or for example, because they have to make so many redundancies, they will have less staff and maybe less people to train or um, support this person with autism if they, you know, if they have to get rid of this person's mentor, for example. Now, both Dan and Jennifer um, had the same answer to that question. I guess Connie, um, she really believes so that we are being made redundant. She also mentioned that she was made redundant this year because of her learning disabilities. And um, she was like a very loyal, hardworking employee that did everything you know that her um, employer wanted you know she was a excellent employee but she was still made redundant and she also mentioned her friend who works for a different company was made redundant due to her learning disabilities she was the first person in her department um, to be made redundant and as far as Connie is aware she was the only person to declare her disabilities to her um, employer and her colleagues and the other people that they hired had no known disabilities Dan also mentioned a similar story um, to Connie, right, in terms of his friend. Can you elaborate on that, please, Martin? Dan had a friend of his who 
would apply for jobs. I think this happened about five times. She would apply for a job and I think they either gave her the interview or offered her the job. When she declared her disability, they all turned around and said, sorry, the position is unavailable. And this is after they've offered the interview or offered her the job. And you can't write that off as a coincidence. Mm-hmm. You know, and- there's definitely some kind of foul play being had there. Yeah, definitely. And how many times has this happened, Martin? How many times did he say? It was more than once. It was uh, five times, I think. It was five times this happened to this um, friend of his. Yeah, the, the, this, poor, this poor thing. <laughs> I know. So basically, every time she went for an interview, she um, was offered the position. And once she declared her autism, they said it's no longer available. Like, that is not mm. a coincidence at all. Like, there's something going on here. And it's illegal. And this should not be happening. You know, we have employment rights in place for a reason oh yeah um and we also so, have so, um, the disability act as well uh, exactly the, the equality act 2010 yes uh, yeah, yes that's right because it, it was the disability, disability discrimination 1995 but they updated it in 2010 is that yeah, right that's, yeah that's correct yeah i do try and keep so, yeah up. like we have this you know this act in place i know <laughs> yeah there's a lot to remember so yeah both um both connie and dan had quite similar answers then which is um really good evidence so yeah thank you for those um answers guys and the second question is further research needed into this issue yes uh dan and andy very unanimous uh they both said yes if they they think that if there's if this is a bit of a pattern that's happening it needs looking into absolutely yeah andy said that if this does happen again this is why the research is important to see, okay, this is what happened here. We can't really do that because that didn't work in their favor or, you know, that made us look bad and plans and provision in place for people. Mm-hmm. Um, what about what Addy's answer was, which was really interesting. Could you elaborate on that? Uh, yeah. Um, he said the research was important to see where uh, we were, we went wrong. So, you know, in this particular pandemic, the vulnerable people with disabilities, Asperger's, they had it, you know, were treated quite badly, but maybe in the future, hopefully, if something like this should happen again, and knock on wood, it probably won't, did that, but we can't really do that for here because this had this impact on their mental health and their families and you know, all the people around them. So what can we do differently? You know, how can we make sure that they're okay if we do need to let them go? How can we help them out mentally? You know, just basically try and keep them from going under in a mental sense that is definitely like uh i'm really happy that andy had that um answer to that question because like he said you know with the research every day so that we can progress as a society we can learn from what we've done wrong wrong in the past so if another pandemic happens in like a few years or even in a century you know we, we can look back on this research and be like you know, we look how many people with disabilities were made redundant in 2019, 2020, and so on. This cannot happen again. You know, we've learned that, you know, people with disabilities can contribute to society. You know, they're really hard workers, just like neurotypical people. So, yeah, um, I'm really glad that um, Andy mentioned that. And Jennifer basically said something quite similar. She said further research is needed into this issue because not only does being made redundant affect you know someone's financial situation or affects them it affects their mental health and if their mental health is affected 
then it affects that you know the communication um, around their friends and family so it affects their whole network of people um, so yeah that was really um, interesting that both Connie and Andy had quite similar answers to that question and yes. um, Connie said yes that it's the government it's the government's responsibility to look into this issue that you know they need to take more um, action into this and um, obviously just continue the research, continue to speak to more people who have lost their jobs during this pandemic and just get the research to continue basically. The next question was, does the pandemic hammer home the way we treat the vulnerable in our society and how do we change it? Yeah, um, Dan and Andy, uh, again, similar, but not too dissimilar answers to that uh, question. Um, Andy thought the way that we phrased the question was interesting. Um, let's say it hammered home exactly, but certainly it has uh, it's become a main fo focus, and the pandemic has brought issues of the vulnerable uh, to light. And you know, how can we deal with that moving forward? And companies needed to just follow the rules, and you know, you you can't do that essentially. Uh, Dan uh, mentioned about highlighting the extent of vulnerable vulnerable people's vulnerability and mm -hmm. talked about that some people with autism and Asperger's have difficulty wearing masks and you know needs we all needed to be a bit more tolerable and, and understanding and you know I, I I can see where he's coming from on, on that I I've occasionally struggled wearing a mask but I I know it's essential but mm -hmm. um yeah I'm obviously not the only one it's interesting that Dan brought this up because a couple of weeks ago, I well, actually, a couple of months ago, I was talking to somebody who uh, has uh, epilepsy or uh, uh, some form of epilepsy that involves seizures, and so she finds wearing the mask difficult and sort of breathing issues might trigger an, an attack. Despite the fact she was wearing the exempt for wearing a mask card, I, I forget exactly what it's called. Uh, she was getting short shrift from people, and you know, you're causing problems and stuff, and. Yeah, but the, the exempt card is right in front of you. Hello, you know, <laughs> need to think exactly. about that, you know. And the other day I read about this article of a uh, domestic abuse survivor, you know, getting short shrift from people, you know, not wearing a mask. But she said, well, <laughs> there's a very good reason I can't wear a mask. It's because the mask reminds me of when my uh, abuser would put his hand over my mouth to mm -hmm. cover up. I think it was cover up her screams, but don't quote me on that. You know, but if if that is the if that is what uh, is reminding this person, that's what this person is being reminded of when they wear a mask. Then you know, by all means, you know, why trigger any mental health problem or any form of PTSD any further? But then you know, you get short shrift. So really, we can't seem to win. Is <laughs> is what I think. Uh, it's what I think we're saying here, you know, damned if we do, damned if we don't, you know. Exactly. I agree with everything um, what you just said. And um, yeah, Connie said it's probably also the LGBT, LGBT plus community that are also at risk during this pandemic, um, because as well as no longer putting her um, disabilities on her application forms, she's no longer putting that she's a lesbian. And for both those reasons, she thinks that she's getting more interest from employers. Jennifer also agrees with, um, with you know, our question that we 
as a society we are more at risk if um, we're vulnerable or you know part of the minority group if we're like LGBT or um, from another race or gender or age so yeah like I think the overall answer from my guest is like yes we are more at risk um, if we're part of a vulnerable group or a minority group because on when it comes to redundancies we've agreed that yes we're more at risk we think but also like you said if you are not wearing a mask because you know you've got a physical disability or if you've got PTSD or like an emotional or a mental health condition like this um, lady who's a survivor of domestic abuse then we are judging people before we know their stories and their backgrounds and you know it's so basically we are becoming less tolerable as a society that as because of this pandemic and it's it's terrifying don't you think martin that that we've yeah. you know we've as a, as a society we've resorted to being judgmental whether it being picky and discriminating against people with disabilities yeah. during the job application process or like we said because of you can't wear a mask maybe it's because our as a whole our mental health has become affected because we're in lockdown so our yes. thoughts have quite, become quite distorted, I guess, and we're not really thinking clearly. Maybe I'm not sure why we've become uh, we've become horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone, so, someone, someone <laughs> I don't, like, I, I don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah, someone I said was someone I know had said to me, "I'm thinking about becoming a recluse because we're just, you know, we're just too terrible now." <laughs> Yeah, it's I don't think true. we need to go that far, but you know, but you, what you're saying is true. We are very intolerable, mm-hmm. uh, more so than we have been. I mean, uh, like, look at the, I'm not going to call them riots, but they were similar to riots when like, the toilet paper and like the um, hand sanitizer shortage, people were getting into fights. Yeah. Oh, like, in the supermarkets, they were like hurting each other and like, that is just not that's just not right there's no excuse to resort to violence no because you want some toilet roll like you know look at what this pandemic has done to people yeah exactly yeah like you know basically yeah like what have we become like you know this is not who this is not human this is not correct human i mean it's human nature but it's not correct human nature yeah and they i think everybody said how do we change it and i think all of our guests said through education like teaching people like you know that we deserve to be treated with respect yes like all, da- all guests said that right yes dan definitely said something about education okay and um the other question is do the statistics of the guardian article such as one in four disabled people losing their jobs comes as a shock to you yeah again very unanimous no didn't come as a complete surprise to them uh dan mentioned that people with autism weren't being given work opportunities all that often anyway so Mm-hmm. He wasn't surprised. And he said that the companies want the best person for the job through their eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, they're sort of looking at it from the outside rather than just sort of thinking about what can we bring to the table? What, you know, how can we make this person comfortable? So, no, it, it didn't come as a surprise to either of them. And the, to be honest with you, the, it didn't really come as a surprise to me either. So, no. As I'm sure it didn't to you. <laughs> no, I wasn't surprised at all. Like the Guardian article like i'm just like well um connie i think is the only guest that said that she was shocked by the statistics because jennifer says that um she wasn't shocked because um connie said it's probably higher and you know it's probably increasing as well because we've only got that one um advice study to 
you know compare it to so yes. yeah I love Jennifer just said that you know she wants to advocate for people who are losing their jobs and because I asked her in my interview has any similar research been done in the United States and she said no not as far as she's aware but she wants to look into it so um, I think I think it's probably quite similar in the United States as well when it comes to um, disabled people losing their jobs. Yeah, so quite different answers from both my guests. The next question is, and it's the last question, do you think the option of working from home is a good idea for people with autism and learned disabilities? What are the cons and pros? Um, yes, again, very similar and slightly different answers from both Dan and Andy. Andy brought up the idea of separating work life and home life and he found it a bit scary for him to begin with and, and I can understand that you know you walk out the door of the house and you you leave problems at home and you know when you go to work you go to work and then you, you come home you just leave work at the door of the office so he's kind of finding that a bit difficult to separate out when he works from home and uh, yeah again I can see where he's he's coming from but he also mentioned um uh, costs and traveling uh, I think he said he had to take two buses to either get back home or was it both ways? It was one of the two. And, you know, it was costing him less in terms of traveling when he was working from home. So that's definitely an upside. And as I need to take a train, an underground and walk to get to the Beyond Autism office, you know, I can see where he's coming from. You don't have to rely so much on, on public transport. And if one thing goes wrong, then I'm kind of stuck. You know, <laughs> I'll also save money as well. But uh, Dan said that it should be an option for everybody, whether he meant just people with autism, Asperger's, or everybody, us and everyone who's a neurotypical. Uh, Dan mentioned that people with autism would feel more comfortable working from home because it's a, a, a kind of safe environment for them. Mm -hmm. But, and this is like the con bit that he mentioned, he did say if work is the only time that people with autism and Asperger's can socialise, or want to socialize then that's the thing that they miss some people with autism and asperger's they don't have much of a social life outside of work and you know fair play to them that's fine we can't but change that it depends on the individual but they will probably miss the interaction with people and mm -hmm. you know they won't feel like they've been anywhere so they kind of start to feel lonely so they, they miss they miss having that contact during the pandemic you know Teams and Zoom meetings and Skype and FaceTime are all very well, but it's that kind of physical interaction. So I can see where he's coming from. And we we were very sort of unanimous in agreement over it. Yeah, Jennifer mentioned the same thing that um, one of the cons is not socialising with colleagues. She also mentioned the same um, thing that you're saving costs as well by saving money on um, yeah, like gas in your, um, your car or your vehicle or yeah um why using public transport and um she also agreed that it's less stressful as well um traveling to work and being in work for some people um with disabilities and it's she also mentioned it's quite flexible as well um working from home as well because i guess that you get to have i don't I don't know, maybe you can start later and finish later or start earlier and um, finish earlier. But both Connie and Jennifer mentioned the same thing, that one of the biggest cons of working from home is not getting that extra support that someone with um, autism or learning disability needs. Um, yes. Because yes. they both mentioned um, needing that visual support and that hands-on um, support from your line manager or your employer. 
And um, if you're not getting that, uh, it can be quite stressful to the person. And um, Connie said that when she doesn't get that hands-on support, that extra support that she needs, um, that she can feel like a failure and um, she can feel quite guilty as well and that this is a massive barrier. But if the right support is in place, then it can be done, but um, things need to be changed. She's singing my tune, I think. <laughs> Our tune, yeah. maybe. <laughs> Yeah, we both have that issue that um, yeah, we both prefer being in the office because we both need that hands-on support. So yeah, yeah I think a lot of people with autism and um, other disability, learning disabilities do need that physical, visual, hands-on support that I think this is, you know, the main con for majority of um, the community. Also, obviously, in the introduction, we talked about the Unison survey, the um, person that was quoted who has autism mentioned the um, working from home his or her sensory um, issues aren't triggered as much because of working in a more quiet and controlled environment and yeah I guess it being less noisy and um, less bright lights and stuff so they prefer working from home for that way and um, I think they also said taking more regular breaks and being in more control I guess that there is that um, pro that none of our guests mentioned. Uh, it's something that I too have forgotten as well, uh, mm -hmm. sensory overloads. But I guess because I kind of deal with it in my own way, I just kind of sort of forget that this might be a problem for somebody else. <laughs> yeah, <it's true. laughs> I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying I'm completely selfish, but <laughs> you sort of don't think about because you don't put yourself in other people's shoes a, a lot, and mm. yeah. You have to sort of step back and think about it. It's true. Um, yeah, because I think when you're thinking about working from home as a whole, there are things that you do forget and you do miss. Yes. Uh, and I think that our Unison survey was like really good. I think um, that as well as the systems advice survey, that more working from home surveys also need to be conducted as well, because I think the pros and the cons are quite, I think the um the answers were quite mixed that there are both cons and pros yes so as dan says it depends on the individual as well definitely and um also they also in the unison survey also mentioned that i think it's more of a pro for people with physical disabilities than it is more for neurological and mental um because in the Unison survey, it mentioned that you're able to control your um, your condition better if you have a physical disability, like like the pain. Yes. If, if you're in pain, um, you're more able to relax more. I guess if you're working from home, like yeah, it's just more. It's less stressful. Like I guess if you're if you have a physical disability where you're in a lot of pain, like for example arthritis or maybe spina bifida. Yes. then tra traveling to work can be quite really, really upsetting and stressful. Yes, of course. Okay, so Martin, what would you say how we conclude the end of this episode? Would you agree that people with autism and disabilities are at risk of losing their jobs? Yes, absolutely. I definitely think there's a bigger risk factor for us guys. Definitely the research is, is needed because this clearly isn't just like, one isolated incident clearly it's happening over a few other places so it needs to change you know at the end of it and if this ever happens again this kind this kind of thing cannot happen again if we go through another pandemic because i just think that will well i, I dread to think what that will do to be honest with you but, uh... 
it's yeah. true because i think we discussed that the last really major pandemic was the spanish flu yes and i don't because of um polit politics and um things like back then people with autism and disabilities were not employed at all very very rarely um so i guess the data wasn't there to look at um that issue back then but now even though employment rates are still really low for people with autism and learning disabilities, there are still more of us in employment. So now this data is here. So I guess in the future, hopefully, if we become a more inclusive society and more people with autism and disabilities are being hired, then we can yeah. look at this again in the future if this happens again. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So yeah, like I said to Jennifer, like this must be a global issue because she doesn't know whether this um, kind of research has been done in the United States. But I'm guessing this is a global issue. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think this is, concludes our episode. So yes, we are more at risk from what we've discussed with our guests and the research that we conducted. But this needs to be continued to see um, if this is a global issue. And we just need to keep looking into this, I guess, guys. And we need to follow the news and we need to be on top of this. Absolutely, completely. Yeah. Okay, thank you, everybody. Bye. Take care, everybody. See you soon. Bye.